you were here Wednesday, you know my voice was dead. Um, now I just have a cough. Which is annoying. So we'll try to get through this. Pray for me. That we make it through. Wonderful. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is our text for the next couple of weeks. We started last week. Um, so this is part 2. It says, For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Last week we talked about the Mighty, I mean the Wonderful Counselor, and this week we're going to talk about the Mighty God. So let's all pray together one more time. Jesus, hallelujah, God, I thank you. God, for your presence and your spirit that's in this place this morning, God, for your, your victory you've given us, God, for your presence that's here. I pray in your name, Jesus, God, you would continue to work in the rest of the service, God, continue to move. I pray you anoint our ears to hear your word, God, anoint my mouth to say what you, what you need me to say. I pray in Jesus' name, God, let your will be done in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated, I suppose. Sometimes I make jokes for myself. Anyways. So last week we talked about um, how Jesus is our counselor and how we allow him, or we should allow him to lead us and listen to his voice and how um, a counselor is pretty useless unless you take the counsel. I know that's mind-blowing. But if someone gives you advice and you don't take it, the advice isn't going to do anything for you. So we have to do what Jesus said. Read the Bible, read his word, and find the answers. And then trust him and walk with him. The, the verse we read um, says that a son is given. And a son, in the old days, their son would be the one that would take over. Right? Your son was... A provision for the future. Your son was going to take care of you when you got old. Your son was who you were going to pass everything on to. Um, so the son was something to look forward to, something to look for the future to give you strength and security. And it says, it also says, unto us a son has been given. Not to one person, but unto, unto us. And Jesus has been given to us. God's gift to us. Jesus himself God himself, accessible to us. That's what Christmas is about, right? Right? All right. <laughs> it's available to us. That sun, the, the protection, the provision, the security for the future, all that stuff is available to us today. So the prophecy about Jesus, it says there's a son that's been given. Here's the son, a future, a promise of provision, someone to take care of us, someone to provide for us, someone to protect for us. And... There's a prophecy. This prophecy was about someone coming who was going to do all these things. And Israel, if you read through history, they were captive a lot. They were in trouble a lot. They were backsliding a lot. They were taken to Babylon. They were taken over by Moab. They were taken over by the Philistines. They were taken over by Egypt. They were, it's just all the time. And even in modern day, people are still attacking them. Right? That's, but there's this prophecy that someone was going to come that was going to lift them out of this thing. Someone was going to come to bring them out of this, the sun, the security was going to come. And Isaiah is giving them hope. He's given us 
hope that someone's going to come to relieve all this pressure that's on us, lift the oppression off and deliver us, not just from physical things, but from sin and the weight of sin and all the stuff that comes with that. He was coming to, to deliver us and lift that off us. And it still applies today. There's a son, a God who became man, Jesus, who came to do this for us, do this for me, do this for you, do it for the, Je the Jews, the Gentiles, man, woman, child, bond, free, everyone, doesn't matter. You know this. It says, he has been given unto us, for us. Mighty God. In the Old Testament, God did a lot of incredible things. <clears throat> huge things. Or huge, as the president would say. He did huge things. And, you know, when you look through the, the Old Testament, there's miracles that happened, right? But he provided mostly for the whole, for the big, the big picture. Um, he did a lot of things for Israel as a nation. Um, the, whole, the whole ten plagues thing. That wasn't just on one person. It wasn't just like a personal miracle. The Red Sea wasn't just like a personal miracle. It was for everybody to get through. The quail in the morning, the man in the morning, um, water from a rock, parting the Jordan River, the walls of Jericho, all the different battles he gave them victory with um, Gideon with his 300 men giving them victory when they put worshippers in the front of the army and the other armies got confused and killed each other. That's a pretty fun story. There's all these awesome stories and God did a lot of things in the Old Testament but it was a lot of big, broad miracles for, for the whole, for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Israel was kind of this, this entity and God was this awesome being but he wasn't very impersonal to them. It was for, for everybody as a whole. It wasn't a very personal thing. And they were a lot of times afraid of God. And God would do some things. I'd be afraid of him too if I saw people swallowed up by the earth. That would be pretty terrifying. I'd be afraid. If fire was falling from heaven, I'd be a little worried. So that's, they were a little afraid. And <clears throat> Even when they were writing scriptures, you know, one of the commandments, don't take the name of the Lord in vain, they would make sure they were purified. They'd, go, they'd wash every time they went to write the name of God. They'd wash and make sure, you know, go through this big thing to make sure they're holy, clean, or whatever. And then they would write the name, then they'd go clean off again just to be sure, because they didn't want to take the name of God in vain because they were scared. There was a lot of fear in them. In the Old Testament. And there were some individual miracles, but they mostly happened through the prophet at the time, whoever the prophet was. If it was Elijah or Elisha, when God did things through them, he made an axe head float, he made fire fall, show everybody else. Naaman was healed from leprosy because he went to see the prophet. But it was mostly focused in one little spot or for everybody as a whole. And they knew they knew that he was a mighty God, they knew the stories. They knew the history. They knew what had happened, what God had brought them through as a, as a country. They knew what God had done. They grew up listening to stories. They had feasts all the time to remember the things that God did. They had parties to remember. They had the Passover. It was a big deal. Just so thousands of years later, they would remember that God brought them out of Egypt. And they studied the stories. They grew up with the stories. Um, they used to put the commandments a little box, some prayers in a box, and put it on their forehead every morning and pray them. And they would do all these things. 
And they knew all the stuff. They knew that he was a mighty God. They knew he had done these incredible things, but it, was, it wasn't personal. Does that make sense? It wasn't a personal, it wasn't a personal God so much. It was more for everybody or in the history and things that happened. And sometimes we can be like that. Maybe you grew up in, in church or you, you went to Sunday school as a kid and you heard stories about God. In the Old Testament, you heard stories. Maybe you came later and you heard the stories. Or you listen on the radio, you watch VeggieTales. Whatever you do, you hear the stories of David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den and Noah in the ark and Moses and the Red Sea and the Ten Commandments. And you know that God has done all of these big things in history. You know God's done all these cool things, some scary things, people being swallowed by the ground. That's terrifying. A guy touching the ark and dying instantly, that's terrifying. There's a lot of things that has happened. And you know these stories, maybe you've heard them, but it's not personal, right? It's not, you haven't seen it. You didn't touch the ark and die. You wouldn't be here. You weren't swallowed up by the earth. Your family wasn't swallowed up by the earth. You, weren't, you didn't go um, in the ark with Noah. You know, you weren't in the lion's den. You didn't kill the giant. You know, it's not a personal thing. You know God's done these things, but it's not, it's not personal. And it's, so it's not personal. So what has he done for me? What has he done for us? That's what makes it personal. There's one thing to know about these stories, and it's another to have him do them for you. It's one thing to know that he'll shut the mouth of a lion. It's another thing when you're in the pit, and it happens to you, Right? I know none of us have been there with lions. Or maybe you're out hunting and, or you're in the woods and a bear shows up and you don't have your gun and God saves you. You know, that sort of thing. When that happens, it's real. You know, when you're driving down the highway and you flip your car and you get out unhurt, that's when his protection becomes real. You know what I mean? <clears throat> that's one thing to know these stories. It's another thing to happen to you. So the text again is Isaiah 9 and 6. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born, it became personal. He was born and given unto us. Unto us a child is born. It wasn't unto you, it was unto us. He was including himself. Unto us is unto everybody. Unto us a son is given. Not just Joseph and Mary, not just the people in Bethlehem, not just the people in, in Nazareth where you grew up, but unto us. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto you, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to minister and to give his life for many, not just for his family, not just for this little handful of people, but for many, whoever wants it. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. We know what Emmanuel means, right? God with us. That's what, that's what this was. That's what Christmas is about. Jesus coming to be with us. God coming to be with us. Not just a 
impersonal God that did all these frightening, terrifying things in the Old Testament, but to be with us personally. <clears throat> Up until now, the presence of God had been very limited. There, there was the Holy of Holies where the high priest could go in, and it was just about, just about him, the only one, or maybe a prophet. God would speak through him, or the Ark of the Covenant, wherever that went, but it was pretty, pretty limited. Just a few, a handful of chosen people got to be in the presence of God, right? It was pretty limited, but Jesus was coming. There was a prophecy that Jesus is coming to be with us on a personal level. If you have a son in your house, that's very personal, right? If you have a kid in your house, you can't get space. It's, per it's very personal. You know, unto us a son is given. It was a personal thing. It wasn't just unto your neighbor a son's given. This son is given to you. He's where you are, even if you don't want him sometimes. Right, kids? Anyone? No? <laughs> unto us a son is given. Given to us personally. A mighty God that we could, that they could touch, that they could see, that they could hear his voice, they could walk with him, they could learn from him. Personal. There's another prophecy, Isaiah 61, verse 1. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, and he hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives in the opening of the prison to them that are bound. And then later on in Luke, when Jesus is growing up, he's in the he's in the temple. And Luke chapter 4, verse 17 says, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. It says, Then he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. So there's a prophecy, and Jesus goes to the temple, or the synagogue, and for whatever reason, he gets to, he reads it, and they're all looking at him, he's like, yep, today this happened. And then he sits down. He was saying, I was sent to do this. I was sent to preach the gospel to the poor. The people that otherwise would be left out, the poor were, we didn't, they didn't have welfare, they didn't care about them. You know, the poor people that were left out, but I'm here to preach to them, people that generally wouldn't get the chance. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to heal people that have been hurt. I'm here to deliver captives. I'm here to heal blind and sick. I'm here to free people. And all of a sudden, this distant-seeming God that they read about and studied about all their lives, all of a sudden, he was here in the middle of them. All the stories they'd heard about, all the testimonies they'd heard, the miracles they'd read about and learned about, he was here with them. All of a sudden he was with them physically and on a, a personal level. Can you imagine? You study about something your whole life and then they just show up. Like that would be awesome. And that's what happened. All the stuff they studied about all these prophecies they were looking for, Jesus was like, that's me. Here I am. And he was there physically on a personal level. The mighty God, the one who had done all those things in the Old Testament they'd heard about. The Red Sea um, times he had provided for people, delivered, delivered people, delivered Israel. Now he was here, and it became personal. 
And then he started performing miracles on a personal level. Up until now, it had been a big thing, right? God provided for everybody. All the people in Israel. He gave them manna for everybody. He gave them quail for everybody. He opened the Red Sea for everybody. You know. But now it became personal. Now he was providing for people on a personal level. He was at a wedding. He turned water into wine. Just for those people. Not for everybody. Just the people that were there. He turned water into wine. He, they needed to pay their taxes. So he told them to go catch a fish. And they caught a fish. And then money for the taxes was in there. Imagine that. When the tax bill comes. We go fishing. The property taxes are in the fish's mouth. That would be amazing. Amen. <laughs> we need to go fishing yes. in March. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the tax money was in the fish's mouth. It was something personal. And then he, there was people there gathered to listen to him, and he fed all of them. Yes. Not not the whole nation, but just whoever was there, whoever was in his his presence. Yes. He told the disciples, don't cast your nets on the other side. They fished all night and caught no fishes. You know the song? And they threw the nets down on the other side, and it was full of personal thing. Yeah. It wasn't just this big thing that they heard about. It was now personal. He started delivering people on a personal level. He, walked, he came on to the shore, and this crazy demon-possessed guy, naked, running through the tombs, shows up, and he delivered him personally. Just one man. He delivered him personally. And then the Syrophoenician woman's daughter needed her daughter delivered. And he delivered her personally. One person. It wasn't everybody at a time. It was one person on a personal level. He started healing people on a personal le level. There was a man with a withered hand. He stretched it out and was healed. There was uh, a layman. There was Bartimaeus who was blind. There was Peter's mother-in-law who was sick. There was a woman who had an issue of blood. He started healing people on a personal level. Level up till now, it hadn't been like this. But now there was a mighty God who was there personally for them. He started forgiving sins on a personal level. There's a woman caught in adultery and everyone wanted to stone her. And he forgave her and he said, Go and sin no more. Who's, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. There was a, a man who was let down through the roof and he said, I forgive you. Go and sin no more. And then he healed him. There he started forgiving sins. On a personal level, he started raising people from the dead on a personal level. Jairus' daughter, Lazarus, there was a boy in a funeral procession. procession. It's just like, okay, get up. Imagine that. You're just, lights are going, you're going. Four ways on. Stop. Boom. Like, that would be amazing. This is what happened. On a personal level, he was there on a personal level. He started ministering to needs, teaching, um, ministering to hurts, emotional, emotional problems on a personal level with, with Zacchaeus and the woman at the well. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, everything had changed. Up until now, it had just been this mighty God that they'd heard about. And I'm sorry, all they knew was that he would do these his crazy, scary, powerful things. Fire would fall. People would be swallowed up. Armies would kill themselves. I don't know. All these crazy things would happen. And they knew that he could do these things, but all of a sudden he was here and he was doing things on a personal level. Everything changed. He was here. He became a mighty God to them individually, to them personally. All the stories they heard became real. The story about Naaman 
dipping in the water and coming up clean became real to those lepers that were healed. The story of the, the woman's um, son that, that passed away and a prophet prayed for him when he was raised again. It became real to Jairus. All these stories they heard became real on a personal level to these people. And you can hear things and you can know things and you can learn things. You can read your Bible. You can study. You can come to church your whole life. You can go to Sunday school. You can do all. You can listen to all the preaching on the radio and the TV. I wouldn't advise it, but you can do that if you want. You can get all this stuff. You can know all these things, but there's a moment when it becomes real. There's a moment where it clicks and it becomes real. And it becomes real to you when you're when you're hurt and you're you're lost and you're just don't know what to do when you pray and he steps in. That's when it becomes real. That's when he becomes that comforter when you heard about. When you need healing and he steps in and heals you. That's when it becomes personal. There's a moment when it clicks and all of a sudden things become real. He was a mighty God on a personal level. People, and once it started happening, people started lining up. They started crowding him. Wherever he went, they started following him. They wanted it for themselves. They wanted to see for themselves. They wanted to see people healed. They wanted to see these things. They'd heard about it, but now they wanted to see it. They wanted it to be real to, for themselves. <clears throat> there was now a mighty God that they could access personally. They didn't need to go to the high priest anymore. They didn't need to wait until a certain time of the year. They didn't have to look at the calendar and say, okay, maybe on this date I can get something from God. Maybe at this um, festival, maybe at this feast I can get something from God. They didn't have to wait anymore. They didn't need the high priest because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed from heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Jesus was the high priest now. <laughs> they didn't need to go to him anymore. They didn't need to wait for all these things. And bring their, their sheep and their ox and their cows and their doves and whatever they needed to bring for their sacrifice. They didn't need to bring those anymore because he was there among them. They didn't need to go through anyone else. Everything started changing. We can have the music, please. <clears throat> Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you've heard of things that God has done. Maybe you've read the stories. Maybe you've, I don't know, watched the movies if they're anywhere accurate. Usually they aren't. Maybe you've, you've heard the stories. You've heard testimonies or whatever. And you've heard rumors about what God has done and what he can do. And he wants to be that to you. This morning, he wants to be that for you. He wants to be that mighty God for you this morning, wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you're at, whatever you're in, whatever you're doing, wherever, whatever's going on. He wants to be the mighty God in your life. Isaiah says he was given to us, to you and to me, access to him. But in order for him, are you ready? In order for him to be a mighty God, 
We need to surrender. We need to let him be God. If you want him to be your counselor, you got to take his advice. Or he's just talking and nothing's happening. If you want him to be the mighty God, we need to surrender. Because if you're not surrendered to him, then he is not your God. And if he's not your God, then he can't be your mighty God. Does that make sense? I know it's common sense, but sometimes we like to skip things. But if you want him to be your mighty God, we need to surrender to him and let him be God. Stop trying to do it. Stop trying to make the decisions. Stop trying to force things. Let him be, let him be God. People who are surrendered completely to Jesus, people who are submitted completely to Jesus, they see him move in their lives in a mighty way. We just six months of the book of Acts we did. What did all those guys have in common? They were all completely submitted to God. They were completely surrendered to God. Paul saw miracles happen. He saw signs happen. He saw wonders happen. Why? Galatians 2 and 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul saw all these things happen in his life because he said, I am crucified with Christ. Literally, I have given everything up to him. Everything Paul had, his, his past, his education, his, his whole future, everything he had, he gave to Christ. He laid it all on the line. His goals, his plans, his education, his safety, his well-being. He just put everything out there and he said, I'm crucified with Christ. I give everything to him. And that's how we saw all these things happen. That's how we saw God move through him. That's how you, know, you, walk, you walk by people and the shadows touch them and they're healed because they were completely surrendered to him. Literally gave everything up and God worked through him miraculously. If you want to have Jesus move up in a mighty way in your life, we need to surrender to him. We need to let him be God. A lot of times we try to be God ourselves. I know we don't say it like that. But we do. We try to work it out and figure it out on our own and wonder why God doesn't step in. Wonder why God doesn't move in. Why God doesn't heal or deliver or bind the broken heart because we, we don't let him. We need to let him do it the way he wants to do it. Everyone who was healed in the New Testament let Jesus do it. They didn't say, no, we're going to do it my way. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand and the guy with the withered hand didn't say, no, I don't want to do that. You heal me the way I want you to heal me. The guy that he made mud spit in the dirt and made mud and put it on his eyes, you think he wanted that? Probably not. Well, that's the way Jesus did it. He let him do it, and he was healed. God can't move in our lives in a mighty way unless we let him. He's not going to force his way in. He's not going to kick down the doors and say, hey, I'm here. I'm going to do it. 
We need to let him. Everyone was healed, let Jesus do it, or they asked him to do it. And he wants to work in our lives, but sometimes we say, no, it's okay, I'll figure it out. Anyone else? Or just me? I'll figure it out. And it's hard for us to take our hands off and let him work. But he cares about us. He cares about even little things. In the past two weeks, I don't know what's going on, but people in our church are losing stuff. A couple weeks ago, Terry lost her keys and said, can you pray that I'll find my keys? And we prayed. And it might seem silly, it might seem simple, but the next day she found them. Nora lost her watch. I was talking, so I will pray. We find it. And she found it. Thursday night, Trisha came home without her phone. She was pretty upset. I tried to be calm. I was a little upset too. Those are expensive. So we go looking. Decided to call the phone to see if you know it ring. I could hear it or see it light up or whatever. And some woman answered. And I was like, hey, who are you? <laughs> He's like, I'm the one who found your phone. In a parking lot. It didn't get run over. I was the whole way looking for it. I was praying. Those are expensive. <laughs> but God cares about little things. He cares about what you're going through. He cares if you lost your keys. He cares if you lost your watch or your phone. Sorry. He cares. And when we pray and we surrender... I was like, God, there's no way I'm going to find this. I need help. Because I can't find anything. Terrible. I'd be a terrible hunter. <clears throat> but he cares. He cares when we're sick. Sherman's got good reports coming in. He cares about that. He cares about things. He cares about these things. But we have to let, we have to surrender to him. And let him move. He's working and he wants to do more. He wants to continue. He wants to be that mighty God in our lives. But it's only going to happen if we allow him. I know it's easy to say that and it's hard to do. But we need to surrender to him. Let's all stand, please. He can't be our wonderful counselor unless we let him counsel us. Unless we take his advice and apply it and do what he says. And he can't be the mighty God unless we surrender and let him work in his mighty way. But he wants to. And he's been given to us for this purpose. And he wants to work in our lives. And so we're going to pray. Just take some time this morning and God to be that mighty God in our life. Maybe you've heard about things he's done. Maybe you've heard testimonies. People losing stuff and finding it. Or people being healed of cancer. Or people lives being put back together or delivered. Maybe you've heard these stories and you want it to happen in your life. He can do that this morning if we 
ask him and let him do it. Amen. So we're just, we're just going to play and sing and we're just going to take some time and pray. And God wants to be that mighty God in our life. And we have to allow him to step in. I know it's hard to let go sometimes. But when you do, it becomes real. When you do, he steps in and it becomes a real thing. But then now maybe you just heard. That it can be real this morning. And let's all pray together.